think is it anything it, to do it, with a certain religion? Do you think? No, is it anything is it? like that? No, no, it's more to do no. with a kind of a drug, isn't it? It's a drug. Yeah, well, those that take it want to be ought to be ashamed well. of themselves. According to The Sun, there were thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation. Some newspapers have called Acid House Music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug-taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organisers kept the location secret until the very last moment, which was the main reason, according to the papers, why there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun. There's, there's meant to be a drugs-related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that does it. it. All knows? them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't even go in the no. pub where them lights are. Oh, no, no. Welcome to the 88 Podcast with yours truly, Wayne Anthony. And I have to say there's only one time where I can say the word rave and it elicits any type of emotions whatsoever. And that time is when I say rave at the cave. And on today's program, we have two of the original promoters who created Rave at the Cave down in Elephant Castle in 1988. So I want to welcome Steve White from the Acid House Experience and the world-famous DJ LSD. What's going on, lads? Hey. <laughs> What's going on, boys? <laughs> Good, excellent. So let's, right. let's go back, right? So are we all roughly the same age here? Um, I've like got... The 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I'm probably the oldest out of us three, to be honest. Oh, go on, son. Go on, son. Yeah, but not by much, though. You look good, mate. You look good. Yeah, no, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I, I was using moisturiser for men before it came fashionable. Mate, that's what I tell everyone. That's what I tell everyone. The thing is, you know, when you, as, you know, you've got a bit of black in you. <laughs> <laughs> from youth, from, you know, from when we was bathing, from kids, you know, the first thing they do is put a bit of moisturiser on you. And it helps. Later on, yeah. <laughs> and that is a thing for men because I still wear moisturizer every day. I don't give a monkey's bait. You got it, mate. You got it. <laughs> but so the reason why I asked that is because I was just trying to determine the different stages in our lives. You know, the different musical stages, like when the soul music was out and stuff like that, and electro. And I mean, do you remember Lyceum? Of yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lyceum. Everyone from South London, everyone from North London. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Steve White and stuff, wasn't it? Uh, and, no, Greg Edwards, uh, I think, was... was yeah, Greg name. Edwards, but yeah, had your man... Oh, uh, not Steve White, um, Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. Okay. Remember Steve Walsh? But Ed, yeah, yeah. Greg Edwards, he started it. But yeah. I remember Steve Walsh and Froggy, wasn't it Froggy as well? I'm not sure if Froggy ever, uh, ever done the Lyceum. But okay. I, for me, I always remember uh, Greg Edwards. And he's still going. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, he did have his own night down there. I do remember that. But I, I, maybe it was a different night because I always remember Walshy. Yeah. Do you remember him? He was a big lad. I think so, yeah. <laughs> you what? You what? You what? Yeah. And that's what I try and say to people, like before Acid House, everyone, everyone was split up in their own different tribes, wasn't they, you know? 
you went to Lyceum and it was like, you know, this was for East London. <laughs> Do you remember? Well, I, I mean, a lot of my mates were always a little bit older than me. And, um, and I never actually got to go there when it was Global Village, um, which turned into heaven. And yeah, I always yeah. remember saying to them, saying, oh, you know, we've, got, we've got to get down to Global Village, Global Village. And, and I never got there when it was Global Village. I only gotcha. started playing there when it was heaven. Um, okay. That was another place that people used to go for, for soul events. Oh, yeah? So we would have been playing there then. Uh, it might have been Colin Hunt still playing there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was one place I never went when it was Global Village. Gotcha. But do you remember uh, Tony Blackburn's Soul Night Out? Yeah, mate. I mean, <laughs> that was legendary. I tell people, you don't realise Tony Blackburn, his Soul Night's out. Yeah. I mean, they were completely banged out, wasn't they? Well, he, he, was, he was the man for, for quite a while, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, people don't realise. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, those Soul Night's out, man, they were classic, mate. And what about um, the whole sound system days? Did you ever do it? Was there any uh, sound boys at any time? Any speaker boys? I've, I've done a bit of that and, and started off with a bit of a soul sound. I'm sure Steve probably did too. Of course, <laughs> mate. So first of all, I'm not as old as you, you, you pensioners. Yeah. So I used to go Lyceum. And what I will say about Lyceum and the fact that they used to call out your area was that it wasn't how it is today where mm. if, if you're from a certain area, you've got to disrespect somebody from the other side. It wasn't oh, like, yeah, it was a little bit of a, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fun way. It's true. It seriously, is these idiots now running up and down who have got no uh, respect for, for life. Yeah, no, that is a good point. That is a good point because at the end of the day, we we're only looking around for other girls. <laughs> we walk around the strand, but we're only looking for other girls. We're not looking for any trouble, you know. And we never even had any trouble down there. There was no trouble, was yeah. there? Just, yeah. Uh, no, people were going out uh, just to have a good night out, and there was no trouble. It, and and the, the mad thing was, I remember. Um, do you remember? I think was it before that? Yeah, yeah, before that, we had that skinhead period. The skinhead yeah. and the rude boys and the scar yeah. music and all of that stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the Teddy Boys. Yeah, and the Ted well, the Teddy Boys were a little bit before that as well, even, wasn't they? I mean, yeah, they I were remember. here. I mean, when my dad talks about coming from Jamaica in the fifties, he always yeah. says, you know, all the problems they had was always with Teddy Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and, and you must remember, because um, you've been from Hackney as well, the um, the pub that used to be on Comet and High Street, um, which used to be the Teddy Boy pub. I always remember yeah, walking yeah. past there with uh, my best mate, who was a black guy at the time, and he'd go, every time we got near it, he would go, let's cross over the road. And I'd go, why is that? He goes, because the teddy boys will see me and they'll want to beat me up. And, and that, that really was uh, the, the only trouble there was in those days. But apart from that, everyone sure. else got on and, and enjoyed themselves, didn't they? Yeah, and I mean, that brought it to your light, because sometimes... You know, you might be saying, what are you talking about, mate? It's all right. It's fine. You know? <laughs> because I've experienced that too. I, I've, I've, you know, in like the early 80s, you remember if you walk, if you walk past a pub at a certain time, you know, the lads would all be out, they'd all be drunk and, you know, they'd, they'd say things to you. And it's happened to me, you know? Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. But yeah. that's, that's 
drink culture, isn't it? Really, you know? yeah, for sure, mate, for sure. And that and that wasn't that didn't enter into our scene, really, did it? No, and that's why I always like to speak about what happened before because there was such a, a, a big gap between those two, between Acid House and between, you know, the early 80s. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, let's go back to that word rave, yeah? I mean, even the word rave, yeah? I mean, one of the reasons why I don't actually like that word rave, and I was talking about it on um, BBC Five Live as well, because everyone always says rave, don't they? And, you know, yeah. and so the only time that elicits any type of emotions for me, you know, like my, my adrenaline starts pumping my heart start the fuds of my heart you know and then is when i use rave at the cave that's the only time but apart from that yeah when i hear that word it reminds me of my parents it reminds me of my mum and dad because you know my mum and dad used to say that word raise we're going to a rave you know so for us you know we were like no we're not we don't do what our parents do this is something new man you know so how did you because early because Rave at the Cave was early on, before Genesis, it was before anyone. When I think about it, I think... Mid-88. Mid-88, yeah. Was uh, Dungeons doing it at the same, that time? No, what, what actually happened was, um, we started off Rave at the Cave, and, um, and it wasn't going for all that long. I, 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 years after, I thought we had it running for about six months, but that was probably due to some stuff that I might have been taking along the way. And it felt that way too. It felt like it went on for ages. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in, in reality, I would only think that it was, we, we had a, a, a block of time that we'd done. Uh, we'd done the first one and it was a raving success. And uh, what we thought we would do, we thought we'll, we'll try and outsmart the police. We thought we won't do one next week because they might be expecting it. So we've done one the week after. Um, and then after that one, we thought, right, maybe the police will think like we're doing it every other week. And so we've done one the very next week and we kept alternating it like that to try and, you know, throw the police off. Um, it worked for a little while until the doors smashed in. <laughs> um, and uh, in reality, uh, I think the block that we had probably run for three, four months, something like that. And, um, and then once the big raid happened, that's when we started looking for somewhere else. And... Um, and we happened to come across the dungeons, which was already okay. running. So where was this then, when you were talking about this, the first lot? The first what, sorry? Uh, sorry, sorry, the first series of Rave at the Caves then. Where was that? No, no, that was at, at Elephant and Castle. Oh, okay, so you was looking at dungeons after? After that, yeah, because, cause, okay. uh, you know, really after the raid, uh, at the Rave at the Cave, it was more or less, it was over there, really. Although we did go back a few times and try and sneak in and, put the electricity back on and all that um but, but let's go back to that the, the beginning of that yeah because so i'm just trying to yes let's go back to the beginning though right so it's south london so there's this venue it's in south london no yeah. one knows where it is but yeah. before we get to that did you guys go spectrum and land of oz and all that stuff yeah yeah, um, yeah so you was all there I, not 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 many times to be quite honest um i was introduced by uh, the whole thing i, I used to um work um, with a, some printers and they said, listen, you've got to come down to heaven one night, blah, 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 told me about everything and all that. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd um, probably like yourself, Wayne, was, was a, a soul boy, rare groove and all that before. And I'd hear this acid music on the radio and I thought, 
what is that shit? Honestly, that's what I, <laughs> well, I, I, I seriously said, what is that? Right? <laughs> anyway, I went out one night and um, done what people did, and all of a sudden it just went, Kick! I thought, that's what it's all about. Fantastic. Uh, and 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 from that from them going to to uh, heaven and, and land of Oz and, and the different nights that they had there, um, I just thought, listen, I want to do this. I've done some DJing before. I used to do people party parties in and around Hackney, and, um, and you know, if anyone wanted a DJ for their parties, some people would call me, and I'd go and do it. So I had the bug already, and um, you knew someone that had the garage down there. And uh, well, we knew someone who worked in, in the garage, and we said to him, Look, ask your boss, who was a woman, can we have a, a, a rave in her garage? He said, Well, I don't know what these are. So we took her out one night, and um, I was off somewhere else in this club. As you do. <laughs> and one of my mates came up and said, Quick. But the woman's name was Karen. She said, Someone's given her something. She's monging out in the corner. Anyway, she was underneath ultraviolet light, and you know what it's like. And she was a bit like that, and I thought, oh no. Anyway, we managed to get her home. I spoke to her on the Monday. I said, oh, I don't suppose there's any chance. And she said, no, I really enjoyed myself. I was like, and that was it. We, we, wow. we took this old garage out that was full of cars and lorries and bits and bobs, put a sound system in there, and I think we got about for the size of the place, I think we got about 600 people the first night. So it was, it was great. Fantastic. So Steve, how did you get involved? So, you fall asleep. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I was, uh, I came through the sound system world. I was in the sound system when I was 15. Go on. Uh, used to be an MC at really? first. And yeah, I used to be an MC and then, um, you know, and then just they called it. it they called it toasting back in them days, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Carting the boxes around, whatever, etc., etc., etc. And then I progressed towards getting to play the music in the parties, and um, uh, following on from that, I started uh, like branching out and going to like Zuby, Bobby, and Steve. Yeah, shout out to Bobby and Steve. Yeah, Beat Freak over in uh, North Tottenham, that way. Uh, Rebel MC's little thing and all shout that. So I was, yeah, so I was doing all, all I was doing, uh, working on the sound system, branching out, checking out what everybody else was doing. And then I started uh, playing the soul and hip hop and whatever on our sound system. And then from there, I ended up um, getting work elsewhere. So by the time I was like 17, I was DJing in bars in Solo and things like this and Go going to like Shake and Finger Pop and all them sort of parties, the big warehouse, you know. Because the thing about the word rave, I think the word rave, we should embrace it. I'm not in agreement with you on that score. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know why I don't like it though? Because it wasn't us that called ourselves it, you know, it was like, it was all the press and that's why I don't like it, you know, but when you used it though, I have to say it hardly ever, it hardly been used. I mean, you, you were probably the first people to use that word like that, you know? For our scene. Yeah. 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 You know? 
that was 88 really and, and i'm not sure if, if um, um, until people started using it probably later on in the 90s to describe a, a party you know yeah, normally when I, the way things have turned out, isn't it? Normally the way, when, when people say rave, I always think after 1990, yeah. you know, but, but oh, you actually, was in 1988. Go on, well, mate. People were using the word rave in the 60s. Like you said, oh, yeah. it, was yeah. it was parents' generation yeah. who came up with that, that terminology. Well, it was actually and, originally Teddy Boys. And Well, I've, yeah, I've heard it in the 60s. Yeah, pop, I've yeah, heard yeah, it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact of the matter is, the generation that are going out now say we're going out raving. They do. Everyone says wrong. it. There's nothing wrong with it. it. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Raving, raving is, uh, is 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 trans trans transmits into we're going out and we're going to have some fun, and that's it. So this I don't see. Yeah, it's any, universal. So anyway, moving forward. Are you, <laughs> Good on the show. <laughs> I ended up um, getting involved in the, uh, doing these soul and hip hop jams in Soho and stuff like that. And then um, I was brought up around uh, the London Bridge area. And um, I was hearing, you know, house music was coming through in like back end of 85, 86. You know, so various, you would hear various, you know, the first sort of like uh, smidgens of it coming through sure Carino was like 86 or something like that. You know, there was tracks like that coming through. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, actually, um, initially I stumbled across, I was coming back from a, um, a rare groove event at King's Cross, stumbled across this party. I could hear a lot of music coming, uh, lad banging coming from this building with me power. I thought, what's this? So we sneaked in there and it was a, it was a load of people from up north. It was a house event, but it, in London, but everyone in that thing was from up north, and we got wow. we to the door thinking they're going to go now, go on on your on your bike, and they went, oh, Cock, come in, sod off. <laughs> yeah, we don't want any of that in here. <laughs> <laughs> come in, baby, like you know, and obviously I'm looking around in wonder, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, wow, this is different, totally different vibe, because I've just come from. A rare groove party where everybody's dark, you know, totally yeah, different. Yeah, mate. Yeah. A totally different vibe. Well, not totally different because everybody's still nice. Sure. But the, obviously, the jump from that to a full on rave where everyone's got a pill down in there. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. And then um, subsequently, the area that I'm from, London Bridge, what lands on my doorstep? It's a King Street. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Wow. Straight. So, naturally, I'm straight in there. Curiosity takes me straight in there. And, you know, within, you know, within a few weeks of being a regular at uh, Clink Street, because I went to Shum, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite on the same level in terms of they wasn't, they was being selective about who they let in. Yeah, Jenny on the door, wasn't she? She was very guarded. Well, I can understand to a certain degree, degree what they were doing because the fitness centre was a very small venue. Sure. So I can understand them saying, oh, well, we want to make sure our mates get in and stuff like that. So a lot of people... In and, it, 
Yeah, and, and you know the hooligans were going out from day one as well. You know, I mean, I remember on the early Shum Flyers, I'm sure it was like, you know, no mugs, no fugs or something like that, you know. <laughs> no muggers, no joggers, no thuggers. <laughs> you know, something. Anyway, the bottom line was that they were being selective and because they were from a certain side of the tracks where people sure. affluent when they had celebrity pals and all this sort of stuff. So when you went in there, it was all glitz and sort Sun of like... Tans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I won't say... I mean, there was a lot of exotic people in there, I'd say, yeah? That's as far as I'm prepared to go. So anyway, it wasn't really my cup of tea. And the music wasn't that banging either from my from my where i'm yeah because like balleric wasn't it so it's all that type of stuff so you could go anywhere with it mm. five minutes up the road i've got clink street so i go in there straight away i'm home yeah because clink street's acid house isn't it yeah well, not just that i've got all people around me that are a, a lot you know like street street people not street wise just regular faces no pretentiousness, no, uh, you know, looking down your nose or anything like that. Nothing like that going on. Sure. Everyone was was just on the same level, and it, it didn't matter where you're from, what colour, whatever. You were just embraced and brought into the family straight away. So within weeks, I was, um, uh, I got to know the guy, uh, the guys in shock. Uh, they were, they were, they were called the boys in shock. Go on. Uh, Beadle, uh, Steffi, a few others, and they, they, um, you probably heard of the boys in shock, yeah, yeah. So, sure. I got, did yeah. not probably turn into the, the boys' own fanzine thing? Is that that's the first lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the lot that went to Shum, yes, yeah. The Click Street Boys, they were more hard edged, gritty, working class lads, you know. Boys in Shock were the first guys to bring house music to the Notting Hill Carnival. Okay. They had a, on, their sand there. And um, Emix, remember Emix? Yeah. Yep. So I got quite pally with them guys, and you know, I sort of like, like to hang out with them. And um, one day um, I heard there was a party up the road, and I thought, okay, I'll go and check it out. And went in there, rave at the cave. Go on. Uh, uh, so this is know, the Elephant Castle. What? Yeah, it was only yeah. it was only at Elephant Castle, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I'm, from, I'm from the manor. Yeah. So I walk in there. I recognise everybody in there straight away. You know. Yeah, mate. Thought. You know, I love the vibe and everything, and I thought, you know what? I need to start DJing at these parties. You know. I'm a, you know, I've, I've, I've got, sure. I then I'd already started buying music because of my, you know, going to the, the, the um, going to the uh, Clink Street and I hearing certain tracks, I started, sure, mate. my record collection slowly shifting, you know, transforming from like hip hop and um, R&B and whatever to house, you know? But the ironic thing is, at those early parties, 
you heard a mixture. So you'd hear hip hop. You'd hear soul. Yeah, for and sure. And you'd hear house, because house was still sort of like, everybody else was doing, making the same transition that I was. Yeah, at the same you know? time, for sure, for sure. Trans, you know, there was a transition in place, but people still like the old stuff. Yeah. And the DJ recognised that, so they would slip in that, that kind of music. So anyway, off I went to Rave at the Cave. Um, I think... I and and how long had Rave at the Cave been going on when you came in? When you, that, for, uh, before that faithful it, night? About a week. But okay, I okay. Said, Yeah, but I wasn't one well, of... I think, I think you're wrong. I think you actually came in on the first night, Steve. Yeah, okay, but that's what I'm saying, the week. That's what I mean, the week. It was the first. But yeah, you're right, you're right there. But anyway, I went up to um, LSD and said, you know, Hello, all right, mate. mate. <laughs> I'm a DJ, any chance of getting, to, getting a, a spot? And um, I can't remember what his answer was. I'm not sure if it was two fingers or three. But, you remember, uh, Roy. I do, actually, I do actually remember. I know he, he won't remember, but, but, you know, it was the first night we'd done, um, and it came up pretty early. We'd, we'd started at um, uh, 11, something like that. And, uh, you know, I remember him coming up and uh, asking to play a set and all that, and I'm like, I'm like no, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm the DJ here. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, he went <laughs> off. I was playing all And night. it's my party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was playing all night from 11 until 7 the next morning and I was shattered. Battered. And I thought, I wish I'd said to that fella he could have played, do you know what I mean? Yeah, mate. Uh, and the next week, he came back, right? Resolve. <laughs> and I uh, said to him, mate, have you got your records? He went, yeah, I said, you're on tonight. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> History. Yeah. So, go on then, son. <laughs> so, so, so go on, Steve. Sorry, mate. We we digressed. Obviously, you know, because I knew the majority of the crowd, it meant a lot more to me For than sure. playing anywhere else that I have ever played. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just, sure. It was just something that, that took it to another level for me before anything else, you know, what we did. Now, the rave sure. at the cave, the rave at the cave. I mean, I know you went yourself, but the oh, rave at the cave. Loads of them. At one point, was it Friday and Saturday? Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure it, it went on, on a, a Friday and a Saturday at some point. I'm sure it. Yeah. We probably did a, a, a few, just, just like like I say, to kind of keep the Alternate. fleet guessing. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, they would have thought, right, they've done it on a Friday. There's no way they're going to do it on a Saturday again. And, yeah. and so we've done that, and then next week we might not put one on at all. And we, we just tried to, to, to space it all out differently so that the police didn't block on. Gotcha. It's a, it's a long time ago one. So, yeah, yeah. So memories, memories and recollections are sketchy. Of course. Trying, trying to work out how long it went on for or what happened when and all that, it's difficult because... It seemed forever, mate. We, yeah. we were probably on the same planet as everybody else, if you get what I mean. Of course, mate. We were all just experiencing this new thing at the same time. Right. The, the, the Rave at the Cave was unique because... It was unique, mate. 100%, mate. 
because not just the fact that Adam Lowry in the middle of it, but the, <laughs> the fact that it was almost like a church. Yeah. It's People going, going there and how we, ra how we ran it was uh, Roy and I would be on the mic, microphone, and we would uh, create chants. On, so boys. to get our crowd interacted with us, and there was a theme at that time where you had uh, the promised land and reaching, and, yeah, mate. and someday, and that was part of the lure into house into the house music for me, because I come from a soulful background. Those kind of tracks that were portraying the peace and love theme and unity theme, that just, that was it for me. That was, that's where I'm at. I've always been like a black John Lennon type character. Do you know what I mean? All my life. Of course, Sam. So, we, we, uh, we, we, we use that. We, that's where we came from at the Rave of the Cave. So we would have chant, people chanting stuff like love, peace and ecstasy and, you know. Excellent, oh, excellent. <laughs> Rave of the Cave. I mean, I don't know how we. I suppose because I, I mean, I'm from Hackney, like Roy is. And I mean, did you used to go in the Jubilee pub, Roy? Yeah. yeah. See, that's that's it. That's kind of where we all know each other, right? Yeah, that yeah. little patch there. And um, yeah. so we would come from the Jubilee pub. So we must have heard from you at some point, Roy, saying, "Look, I've got this gaff." But his, but here was the risk that you guys took. It was, at that time, there was no regular warehouses. I don't know if the um, hypnosis was happening at the dungeons, but no, there was, I, yeah, I can't remember when they started. We didn't know about it then, to be quite honest. Uh, yeah, and I think the we only other, for us. yeah, I, the only other promoters, I think, that was doing parties um, from South London, again, was Unit 4, if you remember Unit 4. Talkie used to play there. Yeah, there you go. But, but before all of that, there, there was no blueprint for you guys to say, okay, someone's already done this, so let's just copy what they did. So you actually pioneered it. A regular club night, every Saturday or every Friday. I mean, that was, you know, that was ingenious. Wayne, do you know, um, do you know, do you know a guy called Tank Williams? Tank, yeah, I know Tank. Uh, he used to do a party called Car Wash. That's Car right, yeah, yeah. Tank's yeah. a good friend. Yeah, he's a good friend, mate. Earliest parties, and then you also had Trip City, on the yep. other side of the yeah, which that, was Rat Pack. Yeah, that's it, Rat Pack, yep, Everson. So we had, we had that South London area, uh, you know, that we that part of town, we had that locked you off. Yeah, that rat, yeah, for sure. There was other people who had North locked off. Yeah, no, it, you're right. I forgot about Everson, the, the yeah, Rat Pack thing. Yeah, no, they had a regular night. But I don't know, I mean, I feel like the Rave of the Cave, for me, because uh, I never ever went to um, Everson Allen's thing, so I can't really say. But when you went to the rave at the Qua cave, it wasn't like a small place, was it? I mean, sometimes you know things appear much bigger in your memory than what they were. Yeah. But it was. It seemed like a big spot. It seemed like you could hold a thousand people, two thousand people in there, and it felt like you no. had that amount in there. It, it, you it know, was it a church-like because you remember it had a high ceilings. You had that truck in the middle there. I don't even remember you guys doing the MC in. I don't even remember that bit, you know? It, it was like sardines in there, you know? Yeah, it, it was, was exciting. Like, you know, 
back in the day on the terraces. Yeah. Well, from our perspective, where we were looking down at the crowd, sure. that's what it reminded me of, like people sure. swaying around. You know, I don't know how we got away with packing so many people in. And I uh, think we were lucky that there wasn't any major... Yeah, like, well, uh, well, there wasn't. So we don't even have to thank the stars for that. You know what I mean? It's like there wasn't. That's it, you know? And we lost... Uh, I think we might have lost Roy. <laughs> but... Um, so we see if we, so we wait for him for a sec or well we, we can yeah, yeah. still yeah still yeah and, and that's the thing i remember when um we used to come down from hackney so we used to come down from the pub and you know all the lads in the pub they were quite serious dudes you know <laughs> they're all blaggers and the heisters and all these types of things you know and uh, so we would leave from there none of them in the beginning none of them would want to come with us you know and we would leave from there and they were like looking at us like we were on heroin or something like that. You know, they were like, what are you doing? You guys, that's like a crack world or something. I don't know what you guys are doing, you know? And then, um, and so what we would do, especially Keith, who I used to do Genesis with, he would, we would drive down and they would all have a change of clothes in their cars, you know? And they would pull up outside Raver the Cave, take yeah. off their jeans and stuff and then put on the the tracksuit bottoms, the bright colours and running and just go mad all night, mate, you know? It what, was... I'd like, what I'd like to say to you, Wayne, is thank you very much for actually bringing the cave to light because it was one of those underground parties yeah, mate. you were there, you didn't uh, acknowledge. You might and miss it, yeah, for sure. A lot of books and a lot of documentaries and things like that and you get a lot of things that are telling you the history of the rave scene and this particular party unit four yeah the car wash yeah the original station events are getting yep. left out because i agree serpent certain elite group of people that kind of claim that this is it this is what it was and sure. all they in these particular events which fair enough Everyone's had their own acid house experience. For sure. So I can't blame them for telling their story of their acid house experience. For sure. But from an underground perspective. And, and you remember a lot of the time, Steve, the, um, the media kind of billet like that too. You know, like I bet like the boys, like Danny and Oki and all that lot, I bet they didn't call themselves the Abifa Five. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying they're not wearing a t shirt. But yeah. I don't know if they call themselves it. I think they kind of got put on that pedestal. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. That's, you know, that's that's the reality. That's the yeah, that's yeah. the truth. What they this story of them going to Ibiza and coming back with the music and all that, that's the truth. But there's cool. also if you speak to the guys from up north, one hundred percent. There's 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 always this little uh little bit of a tension in terms when these guys say no we brought it over and then you've got the guys up north saying no we were the first people to actually start really getting involved for sure and it's, a, it's a contentious issue and i don't really want to get involved in it i'm just glad no for sure ended up we ended up being part of that generation of uh, original house heads and that's it there shouldn't be no arguments about no for like sure it. because the, the reality is um, the, up, up the north and that, Mike and Graham and that, they were the first ones to bring over that boys from Chicago. I mean, that's facts. You know, like like in 1987, they brought all those boys out and they did a tour. But it's funny because when you listen to them talk about it, 
they say, yeah, they brought us there one year. I think they brought us there 87. He said, you know, there was people there in shirts and tires and stuff like that. He said that then they brought us back in 1988 and he said it was a totally different thing. He said there's smiley faces everywhere. He said it was totally different. He said it was as if someone had just dropped a paint bomb on the place and these yeah. mad folks came out the other end, you know? I'm just well, trying to I, see if, yeah. I, I can remember initially when House was sort of came into play, because it was associated with the gay scene in America, a lot sure. of J's and whatever weren't having it. Sure, you know? that's true, it's true. Like, no, this music's kind of airy-fairy. It's not, you know, it's not for like heterosexuals or whatever. You know, there was a stigma behind it initially. It's true, it's true. I mean, no Watson, and I think it's no Watson and his brother, they talk about when they were first playing house music, like in the really early days, that people would throw bottles and stuff like that at them. Yeah. It, they said they, they would have a full dance floor. As soon as they put on a house record, the, house, the whole dance floor would clear out and they had to have a cage built around the decks because people would literally start throwing things at them. Well, there are a lot of DJs now, around now, that I know for a fact were totally anti-house music. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the lads in Hackney too, you know, like they would see us, I mean, especially the black lads, you know, like even the Rasta lads and people like that, they'd see us and they'd be like, oh, you guys, you know, you're on them hard drugs and stuff like that, you know. But then within six months, every single person that said that we were on hard drugs and we shouldn't be doing that, our Roy's, Roy's come back. Oh. Roy actually knows some of these people I'm talking about as well. Well, you know, it was, we were to a certain degree, like a set, yeah, you know, for sure. One thing going on, and if you were looking in from the outside, you would you would look at us and think, "Oh, these guys are a bunch of weirdos. They've gone off the tracks." Sure, mate. Sure. <laughs> You're looking at the rest of the world, thinking, "If only you knew Roy's what back. it was." You know, totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, mate. So, and you know, it was our it was our summer of love. Yeah, I was I was saying I was just saying to to Steve Roy that um, a lot of those Hackney lads and and black and white, you know, a lot of them remember the Rusty geezers from the Square and stuff like that. And the lead. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so you had all those boys, and they would see us the day after or something like that down the pub or near the Jubilee or whatever, and they'd be like, you know, you boys are on hard drugs and stuff. And then within <laughs> six months. You're walking through an aircraft down with 20,000 people and who's got their hands raised in the air looking up at the sky? <laughs> the Rasta geezers, you know? And then, and then the other thing was um, the people in the Jubilee, like, I won't drop any names, but all, all those lads in the Jubilee, you know, they're like arm robbers, hoisters. All, you know, I know all, the names. I know yeah, the names. they're all earners, you know? So when we went back in the Jubilee, right, after our first night um, at Future, they were all like, what is it, mate? If someone cuddles me, I'm going to knock them out and all this <laughs> stuff, you know, being really homophobic. Yeah. And then within, again, within six months, you know, you see them at Genesis, walking through the crowd, the same fellas, about four of them, all wearing a matching outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember it, it was a polka dot shirt, right? <laughs> a French berry. Yeah, right. and a fucking pair of sunglasses, you know? Really? And they were marching just through the crowd with whistles. 
It was a transformative. Well, it's funny you should mention the whole homophobia thing. Um, I was out uh, just at uh, a friend's house uh, with the girlfriend last night, and um, we started talking about the scene and everything like that. And you know, growing up in in Hackney in the in the seventies and eighties, um, most guys, if I'm going to admit, and myself included, were probably a bit homophobic. You know what it was like. Yeah, yeah. that's how we were brought um, up. It wasn't like us. That's, that's right. From because really young, it was kind of drilled into us, wasn't it? It's was like it, girls, yeah, it was girlfriend, 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 girlfriend. Yeah, the, the older generation was, wasn't having any of it, was it? All your uncles would be like, yeah, girlfriend. When are you getting a girlfriend? When are you get yeah. a girlfriend? Yeah, you know, so it was, you said, it was, it was kind of bred into you. Um, and, you know, I, I remember going to uh, heaven for the first night. Yeah. And I was, I was in, in, in the urinals doing what you do. And a guy came up and he touched my ass, right? And I was like, I said, oh, mate, I said, you know, I said, I've got nothing against you. I said, but I'm, I'm not like that. And, and that, because that was the first night that I'd ever kind of experienced gay people en masse. And that night just changed my thinking. I just went 360 degrees in bang, you know. And, sure. um, and I'm sure that, that happened for a lot of people. Me know? too, that happened to me. Because yeah. remember, at heaven at that point, I mean, their Monday nights, that was their famous gay night as well, yeah. wasn't it, if you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember upstairs, you know, there was like transvestites dancing on the bars and you remember on the tables and we were just all ignoring it. You know? <laughs> it was like, it's, if your boy's back in the hood, you know, took a, if someone took a picture back to, back to the hood, be like you sitting on this bloody, near, on this uh, desk, uh, bar stool with yeah. transvestites dancing on the bar in front of you. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, exactly. But it yeah. did a lot for that. It, it, it did yeah, make you forget. Yeah, of course it did. Because uh, it just brought it into the into your face, didn't it? It was like, yeah. well, look, this is what it is, and actually, yeah. it's not as bad as what you think it is. I mean, for you, right. obviously, someone actually grabbed your ass. So, uh, which is obviously the fear of all men, isn't it? You, you know, but <laughs> it, it, um, it sounded, but it, it's a good it, thing yeah. that it didn't actually turn you. You know, you're just like, hey, yeah. dude. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been to the Australian Mardi Gras. I went to three of them, you know, the, the production okay. and the show was just absolutely amazing. That's stunning. But back then, it was a similar thing. I mean, Heavens was the spot, wasn't it? You know? Heaven was what? Sorry? Heaven, sorry. <laughs> Bang, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Heaven was the spot back then, like the gay spot in terms of, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and at one point, it was almost like 50-50, wasn't it? With all yeah. the acid-ass crowd. You remember, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, what, what the... the, the... The first place I went to was, was not actually heaven. It yeah, was, it was a um, mm, huge, sound shaft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. sound shaft or something, yeah. was it? And, and I remember there was a, a guy, and Steve will probably remember him, but there was a guy working on the door, and I'm sure his name was Steve, but this guy was the selector, and he was saying who was mm. coming in, right? Yeah. And I remember going there with two girls. Did he used to wear a hat, like a Dex's Midnight Runner? That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know the one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and I would see him, and he would turn like there'd be big black guys turning up at the door. Obviously, he had his own security there, and he just go, "No, you're not coming in. You're not coming." In. I thought, "Boy, you're brave." Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was down an alleyway as well, wasn't it? You know? Yeah. And and these guys, they might say something, but it never turned out to be anything more than a few words, and they would go. But I remember I went there with these two girls, and they walked through, and then he went to me, "No." 
And I went, mate, I said, my bird's just gone. She wasn't, there was just two girls. I said, my bird's just gone. And they said, I don't care. <laughs> so anyway, they'd, they'd come out. We went into Charing Cross Station and we swapped tops. I took one of the girls' T-shirts, she took mine. We went back and he went, yeah, come on in. <laughs> and I got right. <laughs> excellent, excellent. What was you going to say, Steve? Um, so the fellow who controlled the door at Heaven, his name was Paul Churchill. Okay, I remember Paul. He was like the ginger lad, wasn't he? But there was another lad. Yeah. So Paul Churchill was, yeah. you know, maybe it might not have been on that day, but Paul Churchill was the guy who decided like who had in that club. And who yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're, we're talking the, the future, the sound shaft, not, not at the door at Heaven, Steve. Yeah. But they were all, they were connected. Oh, they were, definitely. They're doors. They were connected by doors, wasn't they? Yeah. Always been connected, yeah, by the ownership. Yeah, and even now, so I do my parties there, Return to Heaven, and now yeah. the two clubs are intertwined. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all one club now. Oh, oh, right. So it's just one entrance type thing. One, one club, yeah. They're both yeah. Future and both like, but they've always been joint at the hip. Yeah, they were always joint at the hip, but now it's just all open now. The bad house music was that... Your sexual orientation, your colour, whatever, the, the way you dress, your, you know, your, your, whether you were rich, whether you, that was the beauty of it. All of that was just levelled out. Yeah. Level well, it opened your eyes, didn't it? It opened your eyes to other experiences, you know, and other emotions, and it gave you that empathy for people in general. It didn't matter who the people were. It was because most of us. Again, we're, 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 you know, we're brought up with that, you know, male chauvinist, you know, kind of homophobic okay. way, yeah. you know. And it was this that really opened our eyes up to all of that, to, to realise that we'd been conditioned to thinking that way. Yeah. And that really, it doesn't matter, mate. If you're okay with me, I'm okay with you. Well, the thing is, a lot of the uh, most famous original house eyes are gay. Sure, and and it started. That's where the whole scene began in in the states. A lot of people don't realise that, but most of the, the people the, at the beginning, the origins and all that, it, it spawned from gay clubs. A lot of the artists came, got inspired by going to these uh, places in America, sure. yeah, yeah, etc., etc., etc. And even if you go onto that the house scene, the majority of the top guys are that way inclined sure do you know and you've yeah. got a lot who are in it as well who you know but you know to try and sort of like because they think you know even now until 2020 there are people who you know just don't want to tell you the truth yeah but back, we, yeah which i it doesn't matter mate. no one cares now you know <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong we've gone back to that identity politics thing now where everyone's been split up into individual tribes but we don't care none of us care <laughs> you know but it's almost like see where we, we were just talking about chicago we were just talking about the clubs over there and it's and because you know i um i interviewed I, well, I spoke with tyree cooper you know and he was saying that when they were playing the clubs at, at, in chicago when their ch their tracks was out in England, they didn't even know. I mean, oh, yeah. can you oh, yeah, imagine that? 
yeah. You know, I mean, you two are DJs, right? And producers. Imagine making music and across the other <laughs> yeah. side of the Atlantic, it's doing really yeah. well, and no one tells you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a rough period, you know. The music <laughs> business, it's it's been harsh. I mean, for me, I I think the music business is really harsh. I think if you were going to music industry, if you're not a great white shark. You know, and I and I don't mean that in terms of you know. I just mean if you're not a great white shark, then you're not going to get through. You know, yeah. and even my I've, I've done lectures and stuff, and I did lecture a lecture at uh, I won't mention university, but a university that teaches these music management courses. You know, and so all of the people I was talking to were really sweet. You know, they were so nice. They were contacting me <laughs> after, and I just had to say to loads of them. And the university said, oh, we loved what you did. We want you to come back, right? But when all their students were contacting me and they were like interviewing me as part of their coursework, and I was just being honest and direct about the music business and letting them know if you are not a great white shark, if you are not willing to exploit other people, you are going to get exploited. Yeah. And today it's slightly changed because of people got a bit more independence because of the internet and all that stuff. But what I was really wanting to talk about was... The way that house music, the effect it had on the clubs and the warehouses over in Chicago was really different to how it affected the UK, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I saw a little um, uh, interview with one of the big guys. I can't, but there was a few of them on there. And he was saying, um, you know, when they first got kind of booked to come and play in the UK, they came over, and this is pre-ecstasy days kind of thing. But they came over and, and they said no one was dancing. <laughs> and then we came back a year later and everyone was going mental. And, and he goes, we couldn't really suss out what was going on. We was glad that that was happening. But, and he goes, and yeah. waiting and, and you know, pulling faces and everything. He goes, but the year before that, no one was dancing. And, and uh, he it's said, true. Steve, but we, I, uh, mentioned, I mentioned that earlier to Steve. Oh, okay. okay. No, but that's okay. It's a, it's a perfect quote, you know. I thought that was 87. Right, the yeah, thing, crazy. The thing is, as far as from my perspective, uh, the music is a drug. Yeah? Yeah. When somebody wants to take something to enhance their experience on top of that, that's their prerogative. But from my perspective, the music was always the drug. A drug. That's how I got lured into it. Sure. You know, so I was addicted to house music straight away. And yeah. uh, when they came over the first time, people probably didn't understand or they weren't ready to trans transform from the, what they were used to listening to, to house. By the sure. time they came back, people were more used to hearing house music, you know, on yeah. the commercial media or whatever, and then that that made the difference, you know? A lot yeah. of mistake of, Sorry, of um, using drugs as the reason why our scene is so good. And the fact of the matter is, drugs were around way before house music. Yeah. Even in the 60s, People were taking drugs. All the best bands and all that were it's renowned. True. It's true. Yeah. So well, that's one of the things, isn't it, Steve? It's like 
acid house we get singled out as probably being the only counterculture where drugs happen so that means nothing that came from it counts but then they just forget what was going on in the 60s they forget that every single rock band you know every single one of them were taking drugs so we're not saying that people can't, you know, you can't be a superstar without taking drugs. All we're saying is that a lot of the music that you heard was created by people on drugs. So therefore, you can't say that nothing good came out of Acid House or you can't say nothing good came out of the first summer of love when you listen to all their music. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, the first summer of love was in uh, 60, 68, I believe. Yeah. You know, that was the second summer of 68 love. 68 or 63, one of those. Yeah. It's definitely uh, 68. Was it 68? Yeah, cool. San Francisco. 69, that sort of time, around that sort of time. Yeah. And, um, you know, anything that brings people together in that way can only be a good thing. Sure. You know? And, um, you know, back in the day, there was a lot of bad publicity. Um, Leah Betts, rest in peace. Sure. That was something that the media picked up and used it as a as a weapon against us. Yeah. That we were, the whole thing was bad. Government wanted to ban the music. Yep, totally true. And the music. Top of the Pops didn't want to play house music. Yeah, they didn't want anything including the word acid. Yeah. Even exactly. if you're number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was taken to an absolutely ridiculous extreme. And to the point in time where you were... Uh, I don't know, you were like a pariah. If you, you had to, a lot of people thought, no, nah, I'm not having no more of this, the publicity, or people who hadn't experienced it thought, no, nah, I'm not going anywhere near that. Sure. Because the media's uh, went well, to war. Yeah, they sensationalised it, and they made it seem so horrible and scary, didn't they? Our raid was on, was in, in the sun. I was going to say, yeah, tell us about the time. So, so we, can't, you can't, we can't necessarily remember how long it was going on. So you're going on, you're being really successful, you're getting banged out nights, you've got as many people outside as what you've got inside. Because <laughs> you've got that reputation now. You've been, everyone knows who you guys are. It was so also, tell us about it, that, go on. It was also on World of Action, World in Action. Yeah, so yeah. basically, so, so the Rave of the Cave, you're on, Part, it was party night, it's all going off, and then suddenly... We're, in, we're, we're infamous. Um, you know, we're one of the most infamous parties that went down. For sure, mate. Time. And before I go into all of that, I'd just like yeah, to say yeah. that... So, because it was on every week, a lot of the other parties were getting stopped, and then everybody would come down hoping to get into the cave because they knew it was guaranteed to be on. Totally. And what is... 600 people out inside and another 400 outside because of the way, because it was all the way it was set up the music was just as loud outside so Excellent. it was a party going on inside and what i just don't know how we got away with it Go anyway on. speak to roy he'll tell you about the raid you know he's... yeah yeah We're on. so roy so mate you're having a wicked time do you have any pre-warning no no, we, we um, I mean, the, the police used to come along every now and then, and all, all they would say to us, because as far as we was concerned, the police didn't know whether they could stop it, whether they couldn't, and they'd turn up and they'd go, listen, chaps, uh, just make sure there's enough room outside in case the fire engines want to get down. It was like, yeah, no worries, that's fine. It was like, wow, okay. Um, 
<coughs> but no, there was there was no warnings or anything like that. And um, I can't remember what I, I think it was just after twelve that it got raided. But what what the actual police done was they all got on a train from Waterloo Station, or all the police that were going to raid it came across on a train and wow. then came out the, the 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 doors from Elephant and Castle Station because it was right next door. So they came out of there. So that no one yeah, because Raven of the Cave was set basically in archways that was underneath a, underneath a, a train track. Mm. That's it. And so they came out the doors of Elephant and Castle That's train so train. slippery because what they've been, obviously they've been really slippery because rather than drive up in a load of vans, yeah. they've, they've yeah. come along in a train, you know? Go yeah. on, mate. Sorry, yeah. mate. And, um, and uh, you know, it was all filmed and, um, and we, we did have the video of the, of the complete raid. Um, but we've all managed to lose it. And there is just a little bit of a clip on one of the, uh, the Acid House documentaries. Okay. Um, and if, if anyone's got that video, it's, it's out in the public domain. Please get in touch with, with us. We'd really love sure. it. Um, but so on the night, you know, uh, the first, I was playing. And the first thing I remember hearing is um, nobody moved. This is a police raid. And then they came in with the lights and the cameras no and everything. And, and that was it, you know. So you heard that over the music or they turned off, shut off the music? Uh, I, I think someone might have come up and said to me, Roy, we're being raided. And I right. probably, I, and I think I actually got on the microphone and said, look, no, don't panic, blah, 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 da, da, da. Um, but I do remember a policeman coming and saying, nobody move, it's a police raid. And uh, that's how they used to talk. It. One thing I was going to say, you look back at some of those old documentaries from 88 or, or from 88, 89, um, and even the, it was a long time ago, you've got to remember, and people's yeah. thoughts uh, seemed so antiquated back then, you know, and uh, I was going to, uh, when Steve was saying about, you know, and you were talking there about, um, oh, the drug culture and everything and, and, and stuff like that, well, it, it was pretty new to, to people, and, and that was why, I mean, you can understand that there was such a big uproar you know, although, yes, people have been taking blues tablets, I believe they used to call them back in the 60s and stuff like that. But now we're talking about ecstasy and people got confused because it was acid music and they're thinking, oh, they're all in there taking acid, they're all out of their nuts. And sure. so it's a bit of ignorance for them, really, you know. Sure. Well, I, I, they can't be blamed. I mean, you remember like that, the Sun newspaper front page, it was like spaced out 20,000 kids on acid. Yeah, <laughs> you know. exactly. That's right. You know, sounds bloody uh, scary. It, exactly. But going back to um, the raid, though, right? Because I know a little bit about that night. I know you do. Yeah, you, you, got, you got a lot of our crowd from that. Wait, we got your crowd totally, <laughs> mate. You know, so I can always. I'm not thankful that you got raided because I know. if we wasn't doing a party, that's yeah. where I would have been. I would, every every time I could get to rave to the, at the cave, yeah. I would be there. To me, you know, yeah. that was one of the best. And it's a warehouse party, so it's not a club night. It was one of the yeah. best warehouses experience that you could have on a regular basis. Yeah. And the only the only other thing that could sit anywhere near that, but it's still a different experience, um, was the dungeons. But the dungeons was a different experience because the yeah. dungeons was quite closed in, wasn't it? You know, <coughs> all of those wine cellar tunnels was quite closed in. Where the Raven the Cave, you had a high ceiling there, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the bigger railway arches. Yeah, yeah right. mate. So you could see everybody, and I love that. Yeah. What we did at the Raven's Cave, me and LSD this was, we actually 
because initially we had another guy who was uh, DJing with us at the beginning, uh, Jester, and once he stopped doing it, and it was just me and Roy all night, what we did, we organised the whole night, like we, we were so used to playing off of each other, we did half an hour each, and we were so used to playing off of each other, we literally knew what was coming next. Go on. We organised it in a way where we take you on a musical journey. So nice. at the beginning, you'd be getting like Man Parish, Hip Hop Bebop, and E.T. The boot. Stuff oh, like I that. love that song, man! I yeah. love that song, man. The E.T. Man. Play stuff like that at the beginning, like yeah. just warm people in. Yeah, man. Going down the the Yellow Magic. Yeah, Why? Yellow Magic, yeah, yeah. Space Invaders, was it? Yeah. Yeah. about record that was made in the early 80s or the end of the 70s or something like that. But if that isn't, the, if that isn't you know, part of the beginning of, this, of the house genre, sure. I don't know what it is, because that Yellow Magic... One of the biggest tunes at the rave at the cave. When we played that, the was that the Space went, Invaders one, Yellow Magic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big track, man. Big track, big track, big track. The place went off. But because we knew, um, you know, we kind of like choreographed the whole night. So yeah, we'd mate. start with that sort of stuff, like I That's said, like Man Parish and all that. So basically, we kind of like. I, I, I knew, work and speak for himself, I knew what sort of frequencies took me to where I wanted to be. Or when you, you know, if you had something in you, yeah, I knew what sort of frequencies took me to the next level. Sure. And I wasn't making that. I wanted to make sure everyone in that building was taken to the next level. So, so, so what we did was, we'd start off on all that sort of level, and then we'd go totally acidic through the main body of the night. And like, obviously, Acid House, I don't care what anyone says, it's no other genre of music that can take you, like, when you study it all, you realise that certain frequencies sure. take you, that this is, a, this is a scientific fact. It's facts, yeah, no, it's facts. Mm. Certain frequencies that stimulate your brain more than others. Totally, totally. And Acid House has got all those elements in it. Yeah, so sure. So, crowd on a journey uh, it, during the course of the middle of the night, the main body of the night, and then towards the end, we'd go down the love and pity, like Brit would take it back down to the sort of soulfully house side of the movement, where you get sure. the, the soulful peace, loving, loved up, you know, we make sure that we had an element of the night where we were just sending out a message of unity, love, peace, and unity. Said it over the mic. Came up with the, uh, there's a term called radio rental. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew that, I knew that it had to come up somewhere. That I remember it, mate. It's yeah. anonymous. The whole original scene. And that stems from me and LSD, that, 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 that saying. Really? Was it, was it mental, mental, radio, rental or something, was it? Was that, that it? Was, that was one of the chants at the uh, Rave at the Cave. 
Yeah. Oh, I want to go, man. We were just, everybody was just chanting it over and over and over. And it was just, um, it was part of it. It, it took of course. you. Because this is 88. It was only when people were doing it in 1990 that you were saying, well, look, dicks. But in 1988, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was uh, the cave. That was what one of our what yeah, we were famous for. And why we still get people coming up to us to this day saying, oh, rave at the cave, thanks a, thanks a lot, whatever, 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 great night, whatever. But Radio you, rental. Probably yeah. But we had the crowd interacting with us for... for sure. Most of the night. We, 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 we worked it out, what we needed to do. To, good, mate. To take everybody elevate everybody to the next level you know and we and, we, and considering okay. considering like it's 1988 everyone's off their head you could have just played a banging song after banging song but instead you actually orchestrated a journey i mean that's 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 good that's professional well, and when we had the race sorry boy was playing i was beside him as always and what i saw was a load of people running into the event, you know? Yeah. Now, there was already a load of planes in there. Yeah, okay, yeah? that's what they always do, yeah. Somebody said to me earlier that night, because as I said, I knew a lot of people in there, and, we, and everybody was there. We were friends with anybody. Even the people I didn't know, I knew. You know what I mean? It was one of those ones. But somebody said to me, oh, there's a load of planes in here tonight. And I looked around, uh, off me nut, looking around, and everybody just looked like everybody else because you had, yeah. you know. They knew the uniform. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody just looked like everybody. Sorry, one moment. That's all right. Oh, yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the thing. What They knew the uniform, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody, it was dark in there. So, yeah. I mean, I've already been pre... Someone has said it to me, and I was like, nah, he's not old Bill, sort of thing. But the reality was, there was old Bill in there every week, and we didn't know about it. For sure, yeah. for sure. You never, know, you never know until it's too late, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. And the ones that were in there, they didn't give a fuck. They were actually... You couldn't tell they was old Bill, because they was probably dropping, getting on it, jumping up and down... <laughs> Else, they, they were having it, mate. Yeah, they oh, probably they regretted it being shut down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, you think about it. If you're old Bill and you know this party's going on every week and the, the bad publicity that's going along with it, you're going to think, right, what we're going to do, we'll send a few buds in there to see what's going on. Have a look, yeah. yeah. And they're saying, and I, sir, everyone, everyone that we send in there, they never come back. They leave the job. <laughs> <laughs> They leave, mate. I mean, I don't know how we're going to crack this lot because everybody always leaves and joins them. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. But, um, but that night when they came to your place, you know, as you said, you know, so you've got loads of planes indoors. You've got loads of police on a train up on the train line above. Yeah. Well, well like I say, they actually came on a train. That's nuts, uh, mate. Station and, then, and then came in. Um, but just touching on what Steve said there about yeah, yeah. music, um, I mean, 
Yeah, I remember playing um, uh, just after the kind of stuff that Steve said we started off with. You know, I would play Donna uh, uh, Summer, um, I Feel Love. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, that used to Me. go down the storm. And, uh, and, you know, as we was tailing off to the end of the night, I, I would play stuff like um, uh, Dexter Wanzel, Life on Mars. Nice. Um, but it was it was great because you could just mix and match stuff up and uh, and and it was just great you know and later on in, in the years in the parties you would get pigeonholed with yeah. what you could play and it was like everything was the same and I always yeah. missed that about being able to play stuff from different genres that just just happened to work in that time you know yeah and, sure and it did work it did and work. to be appreciated like that too yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, it was great. Right. What you don't remember is when we was raided, because mm. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. When the cave was raided, yeah, me and you, I mean, there was a few people up in the DJ box. There was a DJ box up in the air. Uh, everybody, not, a, not, not everybody, but a lot of people got confused thinking we was on TV. Yeah. Because it, Last yeah, because they came in with the camera teams, didn't they? No, no, no. What I'm saying okay. is the, the crowd, from the crowd's point of view, looking up at me and at me and Roy in the box, the box had a glass. Like, it was oh, glass. yeah, I get you. So a lot of glass people said, uh, it looked like you lot were on TV. We never realised that. But that's that, but, Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but that's what they said. So, um... Going away from that, I can't remember what I was. What no, I was. we're just talking about when it actually got raided, you know. So you, you got you guys were upstairs on the decks, and it did actually take a while for the police to come up upstairs. There was more concern yeah. with the people on the dance floor. Well, I guess they wanted to grab all the dealers if there was any dealers. I'm not saying there was, but you know, I guess there I, was. I think they was up for, for grabbing anyone to be quite yeah. honest. But, but anyone was a target you know, in that time. But by the time they they'd even got halfway through. Uh, the actual dance floor. I think everything was on the floor because we, like I said, we had the video and the, the camera panned down to the floor, and it's like, wow, all this, all everyone dancing. What a waste! Chucked it all on the floor. Yeah, you know. Yeah, mate. So, yeah, that was the same. Boy, that after the raid, yeah, the rave at the cave continued. It did. We didn't stop. I know you keep saying we stopped there, we didn't. I know we did a few. Yeah. They weren't as successful as the ones we had before. Well, I don't know about that, but I remember the raid happening, all the equipment getting stolen, including our records. Yeah. Got what got confiscated or stolen? Our records got stolen. When we got yeah. arrested, they yeah. said to us, I said to the police, can I take my record? And they said no. And they said it to Roy as well. And okay. not only that, the area where we were DJing, there was a, a few people hovering around who happened to chuck all their stuff on the floor in, where we were, me and Roy were DJing. Yeah. These came up, it was about four or five of them. And I, I've seen, um, I've seen an officer pick up gear, bits of gear, bags, whatever, and put them in their pockets. Sure. Yeah, I'm not afraid yeah. to say that. That's what I saw. Go on, son. They said to me and Roy, you're getting nicked for playing here. Wow. Then I Which was new. I mean, that's a new thing, getting nicked <laughs> for playing here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> I said, you told me that in the rule book, officer. <laughs> yes, I do. What? <laughs> yeah. I remember when I got nicked. Sorry, Steve. It's a really quick one. I remember when I got nicked. Um, they took me back to Edmonton Police Station, and he said, "Right, we heard that the DJs get like twenty thousand pound or something." <laughs> I go, and I was like, "No, mate." You know. Sorry, Steve. Go on, mate. That's right. So they've said, "Oh yeah, you nicked whatever." I said, "Can I take my record?" They said, "No." Outrageous. And then what happened? We got banged up, let out the next day, whatever. No charges. Mm. And then um, when when I think Royal knows the story better, but they've gone back and all the equipment had been stolen, along with our records. Outrageous, mate! Even the equipment, everything, everything, figures. Wow. And this is the next day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What it was? Yeah. Like I knew. Obviously, I was from the manor. So I've, de I've declared it to me pals. A lot of me pals were from the manor as well. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah for sure. From the manor. Yeah, so, yeah. And they were all coming to the cave. So they weren't happy. Yeah, when I said I've had all my records stolen and we've had... Of course, mate. It's outrageous. So my pals have looked into it, come back to us within a couple of days and gone to me, look, we know who's got your gear. No way. <laughs> Right, so I've, I've declared it to Roy and the others, and they're like, Right, we're all going round there. And I, I couldn't really, I wanted to say, I can't take you round. I knew the bod, yeah, who yeah, out as doing it. And what it was, it was a reggae bod from a reggae sound system, because sure. I was into the like I said, I was into the system before, so I knew these bods anyway. And as soon as they told me who it was and what sound, I knew the, knew, knew the guy. So I've said to the, the, these lot, no, 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 I can't really take man because whatever. But they've said, no, nah, we want to see these fucking bods straight away, whatever. Yeah? Sure. So as I'm you would, down. yeah. We're from it. Yeah, house. as you would, you know. <laughs> with heavies in the car and knocked on his door and gone, look, game's up. We know you've got our gear or whatever. Can we have it back? You know what I mean? But he's come out, looked at, and seen all that lot in the car, and gone, what are you doing bringing these people around my house? Yeah. And he said, I ain't giving you nothing, whatever. Furthermore, you're in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which you so, don't uh, want to hear. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I've had to tell these lot that they're not, these guys ain't giving over the gear, and we're like, they were people who knew me in that. There was like death threats and all this sort of stuff going on. Do you know oh, what I mean? That's all you need, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So these lot have said, like, boys lot and all that, have said, all right, fuck it. The acne, it. the acne lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then to iron out the dispute with the locals. Like, my, sure. you know, I've, I knew a lot of buzz. These bods, bods, but through that, we managed to iron it all out. That's good, because at the end of the day, you don't need a tear-up, you just want your gear back. Yeah, exactly. And subsequently, it worked out anyway that the fella, like later on down the line, years I'm talking about, we found out that we were actually related through... <laughs> just as bloody well you didn't kick off, didn't <laughs> <laughs> you? Know? 
the family do, and there's the fucking fella. <laughs> and all his brothers. <laughs> he wasn't playing your records, was he? <laughs> Music. But Friday and it was long gone and whatever. Yeah. Anyway, what happened was... Yeah. Well, ask Roy if he wants to pick up the story from here, because we were both recordless, basically. And I'll tell you a little story from my, my side, and Roy can tell you his story. Sure. I was seeing, uh, at the time, I was seeing the daughter of the guy who... Um, who uh, who owned um, XL Records? Aye. Tim Tim Palmer, his name was, and I was seeing his daughter called Claire, and they had a record shop in uh, Soho. And because I'm doing this pod, I can't remember the name of the, the shop, but it was a very famous shop in the middle of Soho. Yeah, I can't remember it, but I know the one you're talking about. Not Groove, was it Groove Records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's her family shop. So okay. she, she went to me, right, come on, took me down to Groove Records. <laughs> You're coming home with me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, she took me down to Groove Records, gone behind the counter and gone, right, what do you, what do you want? No way, mate. Straight up. And like, you know, I was like, you can imagine, at that point, I was at my lowest ebb. Aye. Literally, I was doing DJ and luckily I was doing... I had another job, but... Yeah, but still, yeah. Because what it was, because it was only the two of us that played there, I took my old collection there. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's I, your DJ booth, basically. To the rafters of all my house music, all of it. Wow, me And the this, and the that. Music I'd collected from years. And these bods have swiped a lot. Mate. So I'm I was there thinking, well, that's it. My, my, my DJ career is over, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She went, right, come with me. Took me down Groove Records. Wow. Got, got me a load of record music that was out then. But the problem was a lot of the classics. Music, yeah. The, the issue was that a lot of the music at that time, there was only a certain amount of issues that come out. Mm. Like, you know, the presses. Sure. Yeah, the for sure. Presses. So a lot of the music that I had... Vinyl, lost, mate. Mm. A lot of the music that I had that I lost, I couldn't get back because they, were, they weren't, you know... Sure. That was it. So you couldn't get them. They'd already been sold, whatever. But I managed to get enough music back to relaunch my DJ career. And, um, um, and then, like I say, we carried on doing the cake. But if you speak to Roy, because I know he's got a story to tell with regards to when he lost all his music as well. So, at the same same night, obviously. Yeah. Same, same night, you know. Um, and it was weird because we came back from the police station, walked into Elephant and Castle, <clears throat> and I've looked around. I've gone, um, Steve, my, my records are gone. And I looked up, and and, and it took a, a few minutes. I said, the decks have gone. <laughs> and then I said, the amplifiers are gone. I thought, shit, everything's gone. It was like, no, oh, no. no way. Yeah, all gone. And, and and I remember phoning the police station back up because I thought they might have taken. Yeah, it. they might have confiscated it. Yeah. Have gone. yeah, they said no. We we never we never took them as, as you know. And uh, and that was because it was. I know it was all of Steve's records. And it was all of my records. And I and I do remember thinking, Jesus Christ, you know. What, what are we going to do now? Um, 
And what was worse for me, because we, we hired that, um, all the sound system equipment, the decks were mine. Oh, mate, uh, no we way. We hired a place in Walthamstow called Early Riser, which you might know. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and um, we found out that it wasn't insured. So oh, we, had, we had to pay back for all the speakers, all the No way, dude. Yeah, yeah, so. Um, oh, what it was a, a nightmare. Bit of a, and, and then we had to buy some more, another set of techniques that weren't that old. Uh, but the whole thing with, you know, finding out about the guys that, um, that took it, obviously we wanted our stuff back. But sure. we're, we're from the, the, the east side, and, you know, and Steve was down there, and, um, and you know, we didn't want to kick up too much of a fuss, leave him down there to, to, to face Of course, him. mate. So we kind of bit the bullet in the end, and, and that was that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I mean, just going back to that night you got Rayleigh, because I know a couple of stories about it, because they, they really came down heavy on you that night. And yeah. you, you was probably the first people, you know, the first like organization to get raided like that. Because like you said, they came down on the trains, but yeah. they had strip search units outside, didn't they? That's right. That's they had right. strip search units. So everyone in that venue, they were bringing them outside and bringing them through strip search units and... Yeah. Yeah. They had dogs and that was the first official crackdown yeah. on the Aston scene. Yeah, and we... they, and like you said, they brought um, World in Action, which I've said in other podcasts. That was yeah. the premium investigative journalism yeah. uh, TV series at the time, and yeah. at the time there was only four TV channels, and World in Action was the premier news service. Yeah. So they came with the police. Yeah. So well, they, they came in. When the police came in, they came in, lights on. Yeah. yeah. The actual raid was called Operation Deca Acid Backwards, D I C A. No way. Taking the mix. How mad is that? And I remember Steve, the other Steve, said something about um, this is from the time I remember. He said something like, they, you was keeping some money in cars outside or something, was you? Oh, Steve Paquette. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, well, what happened with him? You, you know what it's like. You don't want to keep too much, too much money. Of course in one not. Time. So every time we amassed about a thousand pound or fifteen hundred, we'd give it to Steve. He'd go and put it in the glove box of his car. But anyway, the police have been spotting this going on, right? Right. When they raise us, they think that Steve's a drug dealer. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get hold of Steve. Take him to his car. Uh, and and then it was clearly on the video. They've got the yeah, video. they show it. Yeah, and they open his glove box, and there's just a load of money in there. So now they're still thinking, yeah, he's a big drug drug dealer. And I remember they were fluffing it up and stuff, <laughs> weren't they? You know, like making it look like a lot more than what it was. <laughs> oh, they always do that, don't they? They always do. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah. So and, and you know, so Steve got uh, arrested as well on on charges of supplying drugs, which. He wasn't doing it. Wow. Because obviously, so he wasn't going to say this is their money. I, I, I'm not sure what he actually yeah. said. I mean, okay. it, it would have been all right if he said it because it was our money. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, rather than get that drug charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> I felt a bit sorry for him because I'm not even sure if he was giving them any money for looking after the money, you know? <laughs> I know. I'd say i got one story about... Sorry, go on, Steve. I was going to say they probably still would have classed it as ill-gotten gains. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. Because, you know what I mean? Because they deemed what we were doing as illegal, and the tax man wasn't getting his cut. Of course. 
Yeah, but then maybe you and Roy would have got nicked and not 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 Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got I've got to mention this because there there was um, another guy that was the well there was another two other people there was the woman that owned garage and yeah I remember her blonde. Yeah, that's right, and her husband Roy. So he was a partner. Yeah, I remember there Roy. There was me, and then there was a, another guy called Charlie. Charlie, um, that was it. I remember that name, yeah, Charlie. From Hackney's, you probably even remember yeah. the I remember I mean, him. We've kind of fallen out now, and uh, what it do. is, is because he really doesn't get any recognition for it, because everyone kind of puts it onto me because they know I'm a DJ. But yeah, got you're, you got, it's, you're easy to get to, and that's why when people have a go at me, I say, well, look, I'm easy to get to. That's why they contact me, you know? Right. So it's not your fault that you got it. You're easily accessible. Right, and uh, and so I, I've, I've got to give him his props as well. Charlie yeah. was um, and one of the promoters uh, at the Raid at the Cave, and, uh, and I yeah, remember he, him. he was part of it. So, Charlie, if you ever see this... I'll we remember you, Charlie, mate. I'm, I'm giving you your props. Thanks for your service. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, yeah, so what a nightmare. So that all came crashing down. So in the end, was Steve the only one that walked away with charges? Steve, uh, St no, he, he, he didn't walk away with anything. No, we, oh, he got we, off. Yeah, we, we all got charged with, I think it was five, five counts of allowing the premises to be used for smoking cannabis. No way. The premises to be used for the taking of ecstasy. No allowing way. Allowing the premises to be used for the sale of ecstasy and all that. Wow. And, yeah, and we're like, come on, look, you see how dark it is in there. Um, you know, um, we, we weren't having any of the, the A-class charges. And we said, listen, yes, we can smell people smoking weed in here. We'll put our hands up for that. We wow. put our hands up to that and they dropped all the other charges. Because they were big. That's big charges. Yeah. Big charges, mate. Well, I mean, uh, who was the guy who... who um, was it... The, the yeah, the, Derby. Was it Derby or something? Robert Derby. Was it? With the boat that got 25 years. I, I know he got... I, don't, I know he got a, quite a, a big sentence. Um, was it one of the boat guys? It was, it was a raid on a boat on the Thames. Yeah, yeah. I think he got... Uh, twenty. It was either twenty or twenty-five years he got. He got something, something crazy. So yes. Yeah, it was on because I got the the um actually the newspaper cutting, and so after Rave at the Caveden lads, yeah. So you, I mean, you guys did pioneer, you know, the, the warehouse scene. I mean, that must have been amazing. You guys, car wash, uh, unit four, you know, yeah. and and that was a, another one of the reasons why when I wrote my book, I, I know you guys have got things to do. I won't keep you that much longer, but. When, um, when I wrote my book, one of the reasons I wrote my book was because we were getting ignored by, you know, all the magazines, Mixed Mag and all, the, all those magazines, whatever yeah. they did, like a reunion thing or a Summer of Love thing, they never ever mentioned Genesis, but they would mention biology and everybody else. And I would get a bit annoyed about it, you know. So I thought one day, okay, when I, I got, um, when I, 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 I was living in Australia and then I ended up coming back to England. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book and I'm just going to mention all of the people that don't get mentioned at all, you know? And so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write about Rave at the Cave and mention you guys and, you know, give... Uh, I, di I didn't write a story about the car wash. I can't remember if I wrote a story about Rave at the Cave or if I just mentioned it in that foreword thing. But uh, uh, No, I think you, you did... You did did mention... I write a story, yeah? In, in the book. And, Excellent. And saying, yeah, you did put a, a good bit and it was... Good. It was... 
see, but going on what you said there, I mean, you see some of these documentaries that they... Yeah, exactly. And they leave loads of people out. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, depending on, on, on how old these people are that are making these documentaries and stuff like that, might sure. not go back that far, but they do seem to... They just pick the same people all the time, don't they? Yeah. They, 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 they seem to leave quite a lot of important people out. But mate, yeah. I'll, I'll let Steve talk to you about that. I'm just going to yeah. do, do cool. one thing and I'll be back. But Steve, yeah, no can... worries. But that's why it's important for doing like, go on, do, do what you're doing. Uh, that's why it's important for things like these long form podcasts, Steve. Do you know what I mean? Because we can actually get the story out in a relaxed environment and say what we want. Because even in the documentaries, you know, like they might do interviews with me for an hour, hour and a half, and then you get three minutes. <laughs> so, like I said to you before, everyone's had their own individual acid ass experience. I've got no issue with these guys who are making these documentaries and doing this stuff because they believe what they believe. That's that was their acid ass experience. Sure, we've got a story to tell, and like you say about your book and that it's not going to get told unless we tell it ourselves or we do it ourselves and we create uh, an environment where our story can be told and we can be acknowledged as totally, being mate. the foundation of this movement. Totally. That, that's something that uh, in my mind, I know that I uh, contributed. 100% mate, Rave of the Cave was epic. I, I honestly think like, if you didn't go Rave of the Cave, you really missed out mate, big time. Well, Rave of the Cave was just part of it for me because, you know, obviously after that, we took up the residency at the dungeons. We, Rave at the Cave went to the limelight, the New Year's party at limelight. Let's Charleston. talk about that a bit mate. Let's talk about that a bit. So you went to, um, you spit a, did, did a bit of a stint at the dungeons. Well, that was our residency. We took yeah, yeah. once the cave was no longer able to take place. We were offered the residency at Leebridge Road. Okay, and so this is is this before hypnosis? This is after it. Hypnosis. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypnosis was eighty-eight. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. It, it might. Have yeah, been no, 89. it definitely was eighty-eight. They were before us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were given the residency. Like the rave at the cave, by the time the cave was done, it was 89. Yeah. We were given the residency in 89 at the, the dungeon. So we were playing there Friday, Saturday, Thursday. You know, we were wow. there, all, you know. And was uh, you there, when you say residents, resident DJs or rave at the cave? Yeah, resident yeah, yeah. at the dungeons, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those tunnels, mate, were epic, wasn't they, mate? Those, <laughs> You know, they were epic. It was almost like, I always say to people, it was like there was almost 3D, that effect. Because you remember it was um, Banarama, wasn't it? Sam, God rest his soul. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was Banarama used to do the banners, mate. Okay. Like, and they was almost like 3D. They almost like came out of the walls, you know? That might have been well, it's just me. That, that might have been something that you'd swallowed that night. <laughs> um, and so you... Talking about the dungeons, you've got... Yeah, mate. To uh, people like Lyndon C, who was originally yeah. there. Uh, yeah. uh, Rip was in there, weren't they? Was uh, Rip in there as well, yeah? Paul yeah. and the boys, yeah. Yeah, uh, they were in there. And, and it did cause a bit of aggravation because they were doing the Saturday nights and we got the Friday. 
Okay. Uh, there was a little bit of friction between us, but we managed to sort that out amicably in, in the end, you know? Yeah, because they're North London boys as well, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's mad. I didn't realise they were there. So yeah. the thing about the dungeons is that's another uh, venue that was a, a pivotal part of the whole scene. Because mm. it was mad. Because if you remember, it was like when we were leaving clubs in... Because you remember, at that time, Hackney, no one wanted to go to Hackney. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one wanted to go to Hackney. Look at so, it now. That's what I'm, yeah, it's mad now. Huh? If only we kept all that property. But exactly. no one wanted to go to Hackney. No. So, so suddenly we were leaving like Spectrum and that and Land of Oz with a massive crowd, with the West End crowd, and driving to Dungeons. Yeah. And Dungeons wasn't even open. This was like on a Tuesday. Yeah. And they'd, 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 <laughs> arrived, they'd arrived there. We'd arrived with cars, a few cars. And it was like all the West End boys, like even the guys you were talking about, the, the selector there at... Um, a heaven, you know, the one that Dexy's midnight yeah. runner, yeah, yeah, even yeah. him. So they'd all be there, and yeah. then Lou would come down and he would open the doors, yeah, that's right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, yeah he would literally open the doors, mate. But so that was a, that's another to me, Rave at the Cave again, you know. But the thing, the difference between Rave at the Cave, a dungeons, unit four, and car wash is how long you went on for. You know, again, you know, whether it was three months or whatever it was, you was banging it out, mate. Every weekend you yeah. was there. And I was saying to Steve earlier, um, uh, Droy, that, you know, everyone would leave the pub, and, you know, Hackney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a real old fogey type pub, wasn't it? Real yeah. old East End pub. <laughs> and, you know, like Keith, my partner in Genesis and all that lot, you know, yeah. they would have a change of clothes in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I pull up outside, rave at the cave, and then they would all change it to their ultraviolet clothes and their, yeah. you know, their baggy well, you sweatshirts. You've got to remember before that, um, you know, it was everyone in their forest slacks and everything yeah. like that, and Gabichi tops. Yeah. Everyone down. dressed really smart because down you had. Because you, know? you had that John Paul Gaultier look, didn't you? That was that yeah. with, the, with the shoulders oh. and. Yeah, and it all changed to T-shirts to, to, to and Converse and, and everything else. It's mad it? how that changed, wasn't it? And it's yeah. mad how it changed a lot of the... I mean, actually, we could, we could even talk about that because, I mean, did you guys, obviously, anywhere that's making money that people are considered illegal, which is not illegal, but, I mean, did you guys get any problems with people coming down and saying, we want 25%? We had a little bit of that go on in, in the dungeons. Ah, because um, people try it, don't they? They try it, you know? Yeah, and, 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 and I think it might have been the same people that might have tried it with you guys along Lordship Lane. Yeah, mate. Um, we, we had it there, and they said, um, they came and said, uh, uh, right, um, oh, we're, we're doing the security unless you give us such and such pound, pounds. And we just hired a new security firm from all nations club oh right um but they were reggae security yeah and reggae security and 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 rave security is is two different uh, yeah, you know, you know. rough and tough yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know um but we didn't give them some money in the end because it would have got really nasty and they went, we'll, yeah. we'll stay and do the security we we're, we're no take the money and go yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing people they say to me yeah but why why did you give them anything you're like well <laughs> if you want to carry on doing parties it wasn't out of fear it yeah. was it was just like 
we could have just walked away and not done any parties and yeah. it was over. No one would have ever come to us. But it's no, like, it's we wanted to do this. We wanted to carry on. Yeah. And if that means, because at the end of the day, you know, they tried to rub us really early. You know, like in 88, some dudes tried to rub us, you know. Yeah. And so we learned and we'd sent all the security, you know, we'd been, been hugging people all night and we'd sent the security home and then suddenly these geezers disappeared, you know, and they'd come to rub us. But we're, the, we're taking like weapons off people off the door on the way in yeah. and they were in the money room and that was the only reason why there was any weapons in the money room because we wasn't bringing weapons or anything like that so when they came so because i knew it was on top i knew someone was going to be coming through the door you know so i just picked up one of the weapons you know and when they come through the door i just cracked him and then they all got a bit worried and then andy and and keith they steamed the other guys and then they left Oh, okay. So we, so straight away we were like, oh, this is a bit iffy, yeah. you know, this is a bit sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But in uh, the end, we was paying them. We were giving them twenty five percent, but yeah. that twenty five percent that paid for all of the security. Yes. Yeah? So there was no extra bills. Yeah. yeah. And you know they will stand up against. Else. Yeah, exactly. And they will stand up against anyone. You know. And oh, yeah. I remember when some yardies tried to rob us. Um, when we were doing in um, Ferry Lane. Okay. You know, Sorry, that's what I was talking about, Ferry Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ferry Lane, right. Some yeah. yardies, you know. Yeah. And they stepped into the reception area and they just pulled out these guns, you know. Like, just pointing this gun in my face, you know. So I'm, like, looking down this barrel of a gun and they're basically saying, give us your money. But as soon as they pulled out their barrels, these security who are getting 25% of the door, yeah. they pulled out guns. So suddenly it was like off. it was like reservoir dogs, man, you know, yeah. except like the guns in my face, you know, and they're saying, give me your shit. And then the guys are just pointing the guns at them, just saying, look, mate, just. But it was really funny because these the security are all really, really calm. You know, they're just saying, look, mate, you're not getting any of the dough. Yeah. Put the guns away and bugger off. Like, you know, you try the thing, you try the thing, it's all right, I understand, we understand, like, just, you've got to go now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, they're all getting really nervous, because these security have got guns pointing them, and they're saying to them, it's all right, everything's going to be all right, just lower your guns and leave. So they're like, you sure, you sure? <laughs> they're like, listen, they're like, once they realise it was on top, they're like, look, you sure, but you sure everything's okay? You're gonna let us go? We're like, yeah, they're not, not me. I'm just silent, just looking down about at his gun, thinking, yeah. just don't go off by accident. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I was thinking. I didn't think he was gonna shoot me, yeah. but I thought, oh, please don't go off by accident. Don't yeah. scare the geezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The other <laughs> like, don't scare him. He's got his finger on the trigger. But um, yeah, yeah Major was Dave was just like, look, mate, just go. And so th it took about five minutes to convince them. Yeah. that nothing's going to happen <laughs> yeah. but you can't walk out that door with the gun in your hand because yeah. there's people outside you know? <laughs> so you're going to have to put it in your jacket now yeah. and just go mate it's, everything's all right everything's sweet you know so then it was like all right we're really sorry we're really sorry and they put them away and off they went you know wow. so wow. if when i look at instances like that i have to say well if we didn't have those guys there yeah. You know, like, you know, I mean, they paid, that covered that 25% that night. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, without that 25%, we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have had any money. 
Yeah. You know, yeah, because yeah. I wouldn't have stood up. I was going to stand up against it. I'm not standing up against them, you know. And, and, then, and then effectively, that probably would have been the end of Genesis that night. Exactly, because I wouldn't have carried on. Yeah. So I said, I'm not going to carry on, you know. And it kind of, in the end, it did tiver out because it got so hard to put parties on in the end. But let's not talk about Genesis. Let's talk about, so what after? So did you go to like the sunrises? Did you do some of those big parties? Um, I think I only ever went to one sunrise yeah. because um, after um, Rave at the Cave uh, and then uh, Dungeons, that's yeah. when people started employing me to, to play at, at their Regular party. residence, yeah, yeah. yeah. That um, makes sense. Actually, and they've actually played at a sunrise. And yeah. there's always confusion. Because I was on Sunrise Radio, Yeah, a lot of people would confuse it and think that I played... I never actually played at any of the sunrises, but I played at almost everything else. Because you know? there was another thing, the pirate, pirate Radio. Yeah. I mean, Pirate Radio, at one point, no one was listening to it, and then suddenly, everyone yeah. was listening. Like, I remember you on Sunrise... Uh, yeah. Sunrise FM was it? That's it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that was early. That Sunrise FM was a pirate radio. And when was that, mate? That's like eighty six, eighty five. No, it would have been. Um, I, I actually started on on the radio after the the radio came. It was it was yeah, on yeah. before that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I got into that just after the rave at the cave. Um, and I think I I done about two years on there, and it was good fun. True. Um, but but then what started happening was um, because the radio station was getting so much advertising. I remember like 10 minutes of ads every hour. Do you know what? I think it would be 15 minutes, something Even. like that. So, and, and they used to do a thing called power play where like if you've done a record, we'd charge you so much money, it would get played on the hour, every hour and Makes stuff sense. like that. And it just got to too much where there was adverts, there was power plays and everything. And I thought, hold on, we've got like 10 minutes for records in between all this, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. But it, but it made made uh, quite a, a, a good lot of money for a few people, and I mean, yeah, look at Centreforce now. Yeah, turned into a legal station. Though. Yeah, an established legal station. I mean, yeah. the only other one that did that was Kiss, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. The only other one that did that was Kiss FM. And yeah. so, so after that, Roy, did you start producing music and that? Because yeah. the music really changed, didn't it? it did. You know, like between eighty nine and say like ninety one. Yeah. The well, you've got, what you've got to remember was all of the music was, was really coming from America. Yeah. You know, uh, there was no one making uh, really any kind of housey stuff uh, in England. Um, I hooked up with um, Steve P. Who oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he went and bought a, f uh, a flat down in Stratford. And he went, he went, these guys are doing some music. He goes, you should go down there and have a look. So I went down. Um, and they weren't doing music, but I was—I called it Bon Tempe music. It was like it, 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 it was genreless and uh, and genreless. Yeah. I said, "What have you got to do?" I said, "You need someone with a sampler." And they went, "Oh, we know someone who's got got one." Um, so we got him in. Um, I told them what what sound we was after. They'd done it, uh, and we called ourselves Rhythm Section, and um, and that Excellent. was my journey into making music. Wow, dude! And so you just started banging them out. Yeah, yeah, and playing yeah. them as part of your sets because that was because yeah, obviously yeah. after that, I mean, you become a top DJ, mate. You was playing everywhere, wasn't you? I, I was on, on on quite a lot of flyers. Yeah, people used to, yeah. Go to you know, how can you be there and how can you be there and how can you be there? Because I've got a very fast car. That's why. Yeah, I, yeah. and you uh, do get there. You do get there. You know, it's just good. I'm really, really pleased that you guys took the time out to come and you know share oh. some of these experiences, man. 
Thank you very Honestly, much. because yeah. not till people start digging that uh, you know what it's like. It's so long ago, and um, yeah. I mean, people say to me, "Do you remember this?" And I go, oh, "No, I don't." They're like, "Really?" And then and then they might pick a little bit deeper, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I do remember." So yeah, thanks for, for bringing stuff out. Uh, no, mate. I mean, it's important, that, and that's what I was saying to Steve as well. When when oh, I was saying it to 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 you, but it's um. You know, we never ever get an opportunity to do this in a long form way, mate. Yeah. You know, and with documentaries that come on TV, that they're, they're never going to have a long form. Yeah. So this is and 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 it's difficult because I guess when you're trying to get the money to make a documentary film, that that's where you got to add all these big names, and you know, you say you've got this one and you've got that one, and that's how you end up getting your funding. So, it, but it's a real shame that you can't get funding based on look, we're going to tell the real true story and we're yeah. going to speak to all of these different people that created an infrastructure which supported you know and put the whole scene you know on on the right road on the right tracks you know well, but, that's and, you yeah yeah and that's why i thought that's that's why i had to speak to you a lot about it you know and when i saw i read somewhere that you when i saw that you two did an interview I was like, all right, I've got to, mate, I've got to get these two now. That's it now. You know, I don't, I don't care if they're shy. They have to come on. Do you know what I mean? But did you have, have you ever think about, because I'll tell you what I've been getting, and I've been saying this to the few people that I've been talking with, you know. Um, in a lot, over this summer, I got contacted by loads of different media outlets, especially from America. And they were all saying to me, they all wanted to question, they wanted quotes from me about the third summer of love in the UK. Really? And I was like, what third summer of love? And they was like, no. And they were like, no, it's going on right now. It's like, All right. what's going on right now? The third summer of love is going on right now. I must be really out of touch. Okay. Because I, and so I don't know what they're even referring to. I guess the only thing they're referring to is all these street happenings that have been going on. They're a bit mad, aren't they? <laughs> well, I'm the same like you. I didn't know there was a third summer of love, but normally, summer of love. normally the older generation then are asked to find out normally, aren't they? But we'll probably find True. ourselves going, oh, I've heard they're in there, they're taking all drugs and everything. <laughs> Flashing lights. Well, the mad thing about this lot that they've been doing all these parties is that they would just can just turn up outside your house. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like a hundred 150 people and just have a party i got, right. got to be honest one of the things that this covid thing has as you know brought out is you know like in lots of park areas or common areas you know there are a lot of people having birthday parties kids parties and all of that stuff so it's really brought people out of their houses for a little bit you know yeah. but do you think that it can happen again do you think there will be a third summer of love, for example? No, no, not for us, because... No. Uh, <laughs> no only because ours will always be the best. And yeah. Just like the generation before ours, theirs was the best, you know. Totally. Uh, I doubt if, if anyone from the 60s, you know, looked, looked, witnessed it at that time and then came to ours, they'd be, oh, it wasn't as good as the 60s, was it? You know, it's, it's never as good. You know, those, those halcyon days. Sure, you know, mate. And uh, what's also trans, translated from that period as well is that MDMA has now been uh, decriminalized in some countries so okay. they can actually use it with, you know, uh, people with emotional trauma and they use it in therapeutic ways now. It's, it's yeah. bizarre, like in Germany, Spain, Portugal, 
So there are so many, lots of different countries now that have been, um, you know, investigating the use of MDMA in their clinical trials, yeah. you know, to, to create euphoria in people. Yeah. So it's just bizarre that we come full circle where they're now they're like, oh, hang on, I think that we might be able to use this. But at the same time, we're not allowed to say what great experiences they were. Yeah. <laughs> we're not allowed to say it you know yeah. it's, it, it's you know and bbc they've just made a podcast which is probably yeah. the edgiest podcast that they've ever made you know okay. i'm going to get them on the the show the producers because they even went to holland to interview uh, drug dealers okay. so they've come a long way and one of the whole stories is all about a drug dealer right. so okay. it, it proves that because i think that the only way to tackle uh, well, not even to tackle. I think the only way to approach educating people about drugs, you know, crime or whatever it is, is by educating them and being honest and truthful with them. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and the fact that you can't really talk about drugs because, you know, all of your advertisers are not going to advertise. They're not going to promote your show. You know, you're yeah. going to lose any kind of monetization. And then the networks are all going to ignore you because, you've actually said something which was quite positive, you know? And then you think, well, all of these clinical experts, all involved in therapy, all of these people are now using these things that you said were detrimental to us in a positive way, you know? So it's like, be honest. I think be honest. Do you remember that advert they used to do with the eggs? When they used to like crack the egg and they used to say like, this is your brain on LSD. Yeah. yeah that would they, they they were famous set of adverts they were you know okay. so i just well, feel like if we take an honest and real approach to the you know to drug education i, I think we'll go a lot further you know yeah, rather than just shutting people down you know times times have changed and, and you know and, and what our scene did bring about um really you know pre uh acid house you know um People would look at people that took drugs and think, oh, you know, druggy, or you don't want anything to do with them and stuff. But then since the advent of, of Acid House, you know, where you you know what it was like. You know, sure. bloody doctors, lawyers, solicitors, nurses, there would be everyone in there. Do you know what I mean? So the uh, I think the attitude towards drugs, you know, it's taken a while, but it's changed yeah. from what it was way back then, doesn't it? You know? yeah no it definitely has because also all of those people that are being in denial they were only in denial as well wasn't they yeah yeah that's right <laughs> you yeah. know they didn't want anyone to find out did they? yeah like i've appeared on a tv show where they've had someone there that was a former um heroin addict but now they say that he's one of the smartest men in the country you okay. know but i was he he could brought up he could bring up my MDMA use, but I wasn't allowed to bring up his, his heroin use. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so he was, he was describing Acid House with a, with a heroin lens. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, but okay. now, as we, the further we get, you know, the close, you know, it's 2020. Let's, let's, let's give people proper, proper, proper knowledge, you know, and let's arm them with the proper tools in order for them to make their, their, their own choices. But I do think, I'm a big into free speech, you know, and I'm big into free speech before I am security, you know, and we're, we're going down a road at the moment, which is 
censoring free speech. So we're actually yeah. going through a difficult time right now in terms yeah. of free speech, aren't we? You know? So we're going through tricky times, but I think that at the end of it, it's like almost a changing of the guard. You know, I right. think there will be some new opportunities once we get to the other side of this. Yeah, and even look at the music. Look how the music went from vinyl to digital. That must have been quite mad for you guys. Uh, it, it was, yeah. Um, well, you know, used, sorry, go on, Steve. Go on. Now, what I was going to say was, for me, the second summer of love never ended. Aye, me too, mate. Uh, I've, I've never been able to get over it. We are 30 years plus later, and I'm still getting flashbacks. And I have always been, uh, I've always um, reminisced. And uh, as you know, when I at the moment, which are all about reminiscing the summer of love, I've always played old school sets. I've always stuck to my guns. I've played up to date music. Don't get me wrong. I'm a DJ. I'll play anything. I'll play the Rolling Stones. Aye. I'll play the Cure. I'll play whatever you want because I'm a DJ. I'm not stuck to any particular genre. Um, I have an eclectic taste in music. But with regards to the first summer, uh, the second summer of love that we were involved in, that is something that not only myself, but of other people were finding it hard to get over. And um, when we put on these events and we try to recreate um, what we had in terms of decor, the music's the same, but the decor and uh, the vibe. And people are in a state of ecstasy without taking ecstasy because they're being taken back to what a lot of people would consider the best time of their lives. I mean, I've, a lot of, I've had a lot of high points in my life. Um, and the acid house explosion sits up there with the best of them, you know? And um, so as long as I'm alive, I'll be celebrating the second summer of love. Spoke about the third summer of love. People are anticipating that after this, we get over this COVID or, or we get, our restrictions are lifted somewhat and we can actually all, we're all able to, to party again. Because quite frankly, uh, Raving, the word you don't like, and social distancing. I only like cannot... it when you use it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fella. Well, raving and, and social distancing cannot sit hand in hand. People can, mm. I understand people were desperate to put on events like promoters who that is their livelihood. And I understand the DJ's perspective. We need somewhere to DJ because hood. Sure. I get all of that, but we have to be honest with ourselves and say social distancing and raving just it doesn't work. It, it can't work. It doesn't make sense. The whole point, purpose of going out raving is to socialise and to be merry and to dance 
and to sing your favourite songs or whatever. Yeah, mate. All of these things, all of these things are restricted. You're not allowed to dance. You've got to sit in a pen with a few, a handful of people and things like that. I couldn't, it's just so far removed from, from um, the whole objective of, 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 of um, partying and going out raving. It's, it's, it, you know, it's ridiculous. And um, I, you know, good luck to the people that are going and the guy, people that are putting these events on. As for me, I'm going to wait until people can actually party in the manner that, you know, we're accustomed to. True manner that we're supposed to, you know, that we And with regards to this problem that the world faces, the, the solution, I mean, in, one of the solutions or the best solution for in order for the arts and entertainment industries to get back on their feet is they need to somebody needs to produce a test that's a hundred percent accurate that takes no more than 15 minutes to be uh to tell you whether somebody's infected or not that way everybody who comes into your if you can test at the door or away from the door or whatever case Everybody that comes into your establishment has been proven that they haven't got it. And then everybody can sit next to each other, go back on the terraces, back into a club, and we can have our normal lives back. For sure. It saddens me to see the events taking place where people have to sit down and, and tap their foot, or you're not allowed to sing, or you're not allowed to dance, or you're not allowed to socialise with other people. That is not that is not that's not a rave. Yeah, people for are sure. saying it, they're putting on a rave. They're not putting on a rave. It's something else. It's 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 a circus. So, you know, so even no, even for you, I know that you do um, acid house experience, and so you've actually started doing events. I mean, this is so it's affected you directly as well. Do you do you think you're going to be doing more events next year? Hundred percent. I'm going to be doing all the events that missed out on this year. I'm going to be doing them next year as well. So I'm going to be doing twice as many events. I don't just promote acid house parties. I actually promote um, like I do parties on the river, soul, you know, okay. um, seventies okay. and eighties disco. So I'll take it. I'm taking it right back to my roots. Yeah, excellent. Acid house is my roots. Soul, big groove, hip hop. And all that, that yeah, and, and reggae. That's my room. Yeah, that's what I. So I have these parties. You know, I'm I'm probably stuck. People will probably say, "Mate, you're stuck in the seventies and eighties and the nineties." And you know what? I don't mind. Yeah, the as music is I'm good, man. Mm. They were the best for music. Yeah, they were the best eras for vibes. You know. Yeah, man. I'm happy to reminisce for the rest of my life. I've got no issue with that. Quite yeah. frankly. What we've got now, when I look back, I'm glad that I'm actually the age that I am. I've experienced what I've experienced and I've had an opportunity to party like there's no tomorrow. And I feel sorry for the new generation yeah. who are stuck in a world where if they want to party, they have to go somewhere illegally to do it. I mean, we yeah. had that phase, but it wasn't always like that. Um, no. They have to go to somewhere and risk their lives 
we didn't have to do that. We went sure. and had illegal parties. I mean, I played at Energy, Biology, Weekend World, uh, World Dance. I had an opportunity to play at some of the uh, most memorable events totally, that mate. took place back in the day. I mean, what you, what you got back in the day was the main DJs would be on the flyer. And if you wasn't, if you wasn't considered somebody that was going to draw a crowd, you'd play, but nobody would would be told that you was playing, sort of thing. So I ended up playing at these parties. I had no recognition whatsoever for any of them. Because, well, saying that, I'm on the weekend world flyers. I'm on flyers, so I take that back. But you I know, do remember I your name on flyers. Well, yeah, I made it on a free. But yeah. I actually played at, like, Spectrum did a party in Birmingham, an open-air party. Right? I actually played at that. Was it an all-dayer? Yeah, it was an all-day thing. It was yeah. um, um, Kevin Millings, the appeal organisation thing, you know, oh, yeah, um, yeah. at Birmingham. And, uh, you know, they had, like, time out following us around and stuff like that. But I was on the flyer. Do you know what I mean? And that's a, that's a problem with, um, that I feel a lot of uh, unsung heroes of this scene never get a mention because you wasn't on the flyer. You played, you made yeah. everybody happy. Yeah. A lot of the guys, the main guys who were on the flyers, they didn't show up. Yeah, they wasn't even there. They were on a hundred flyers. When they saw all them police, you know. Mm, turn around. They've got more to lose than somebody like me who no one's ever heard of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So they weren't, and that was like, DJs like me, that was like manna from heaven. Because I knew I'm taking my, my records to this party in the field. And either way, it's going to go on for two days. So they're going to need a D and more DJs. Or DJs wouldn't show up. Do you know what 100%, I mean? 100%, yeah. You know, I did parties. I've done, I've done parties in fields like where me and Adansky were the only people that managed to get through the police blockade. So I've, I've played all, I've, I've literally played all night on my own. Excellent, mate. Sure. You know, field full of people, stuff like that. But these stories, you look back over the years, you're off your nut the majority of the time. So, you can remember places, but you can't remember names. You can't. You can remember faces, but you can't remember names. You know, you do lose track whether you're off your nut or not. This is what happens. You know, with the, you know, advent of time or whatever, gonna lose, you know, your memory or whatever. But what I can say to you is this: that period in time, I don't care what anybody says. That was, you know, if you were there, you were lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. We were one of the luckiest people on earth because that was just, you know, what we had, 88, or 87, I'd say. 87 to 91 was just, you know? Yeah, epic. Absolutely epic. Yeah, well, you know, if if that wasn't the case, I've had a lot of adventures in my life, but that was something, you know, that... That was unique. Yeah. yeah, I'll be like um, Uncle Albert off of um, 
<laughs> off the bone, he's talking all to Darby saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. during the uh, summer, second summer yeah. Yeah, Mum is always telling these stories about <laughs> thousands of people in films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's lying. Don't listen to him, you know. <laughs> and the testimony is... I say again, sorry. Well, Wayne, the testimony is... Yeah. The testimony is, yeah, that people are coming up and me and Roy, 30 years later, yeah, and eulogising about these, these events. That doesn't oh, yeah. happen... If you never, if it never made an yeah. impact on people's lives, that just wouldn't happen, you know? It totally made How many impact. events? Yeah. Well, that's why I say to you, when I hear the word rave at the cave, yeah, it elicits, you know, adrenaline. It elicits a heightened sense of smell. And it just takes me back to a safe place, you know? <laughs> a safe, positive place, you know? And what more can you ask for? Yeah. yeah. There's some great... Great memories for people, some, some very fond times and uh, that people will, will just take, take with yeah. them on their journey until the end of their days. Really. Totally, and, mate. If you're, if you're in that, then that's great. Totally. So look, just to finish off, because again, I know I've got you guys in the middle of the day. <laughs> um, so, so Roy, if, if wait, people want to catch wait, up with you. Wait, go on, mate. Sorry, wait, mate. Wait, go on, mate. Wait. Yes. What I was going to say was, that me and Roy, from that experience, we've been like brothers ever since. Yeah. yeah? We might not be the same colour, but yeah, we're brothers. You know what I mean? That's yeah, solidified our, our, you know, we're... Our that, was yeah, that was your apprenticeship. Yeah, that was your apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. Same as me and Keith, you know, and Andy. Years you know, later, like... we... Yeah, well, 30 years later, yeah. we still DJ together. Excellent. And we've still got that bond that was that was formed at That's that fantastic, um, mate. event. So you know, That's this fantastic. is a very like significant and emotional subject. Like for sure, for mate. Both of us, I'd like to think. Would you do a, a reunion, you know, mate? A Raver the Cave reunion? I don't think it would be feasible because um, a lot of people are just older and moved out and whatever and it wasn't one of those events where you had thousands of thousands of people so it would be difficult it would have to be a yeah. small affair um in reality so when i do my parties now it we're representing i like to think that we're representing the whole scene that's called the that's experience totally. and that includes you know part people who went to genesis and all yeah. the other parties and rather than try to celebrate them individually, in celebrating them together works and it makes more sense. And people, you know, people, yeah. you can get mass more people that way. If you try totally. to go, oh, right, I'm just celebrating energy, celebrating biology, it, it kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. What terms so to tell people how they can get hold of you, Steve? Acid House Experience of Facebook. Right, okay, Have you got a website? So, and Um, yes, we have a, a website called Acid House Experience Events. Um, .co.uk? Um, yeah, uh, .co.uk, that's correct. Acid House Experience Events. And then we, you can also catch up with us on Instagram. Um, Acid House and, Experience? Um, and Twitter. Yeah, Acid House Experience, yeah. But, you know, we're, we'll be coming back strong next year 
and um, yeah, look out. Wow. And especially uh, Return to Heaven, the, on, uh, you know, yeah, mate. the main event. So you make sure, Wayne, that you're, I mean, you, yeah, you're of course, on the firm, you know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely. Make... I mean, you're, the group that you've got there yeah. is it's probably one of the most active groups out there. You do a lot, mate. It's, it's work as well, isn't it? You know, you know I've got a uh, LSD magazine. It's like half a million people, but it's bloody, it's work, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> creating content for that group. Yeah, we've got 75,000 followers. So yeah. that's enough to be, that's no, enough active. to be getting on yeah. with, you know. You do funny memes. The majority you do of the rave community, I think, signed up to it. Yeah, for sure. And what about yourself, Roy, mate? And, and you, you're still producing stuff, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm still producing stuff. Um, I mean, you're massive out there on the scene, aren't you? Um, it's, it's, it's been pretty good for me, you know. Yeah, uh, mate. I, I have had to change um, my style of music. Uh, I mean, I still get booked to play a hell of a lot of old school. Um, sure. I kind of, I, I, I went down the, um, uh, I went into breaks for a while. Um, when that started, because I liked that. It was a bit of an older crowd, uh, and it was something different. Then yeah. all of a sudden, dubstep came along and just smacked it in the face, uh, and then all of a sudden, it was, breaks was no more. Um, obviously, I've, I've been down the jungle route and the drum and bass uh, route. I, I, because I, a lot of people that know your name, they, won't even, they don't even know that you came from that acid house era, do oh, they? They just know you from the jungle stuff, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, even people come up to me and they go, oh, I didn't know you you done the, you was part of the rhythm section. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was, well, you know. Um, they don't even realise that. Uh, I mean, a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, still producing. Um, I uh, I teach music technology in a prison. Cool. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, it keeps me busy. And how can anyone get hold of you, Roy, if they want to catch up with what you're Facebook doing? Is, Facebook is the best way to get hold of me, DJ ASB. I'm on there. Hit me up. Yeah, yeah, chat. yeah, yeah. Excellent, mate. So listen, yeah. lads. I mean, if you've got anything else you want to add, that's, you know, that's perfect. But you have said so much. You've shared so much. I really honestly do appreciate your time. Oh, fine, fine. Yeah, mate, honestly. And it's so nice to have these long-form conversations, man, you know? Yeah, honestly, it's so good to have these long-form conversations. And, uh, you know, at some point, we maybe we'll do a, a massive group conversation with everyone. You know, we're, we're trying to do something. You know, yeah. we're trying to do something where we can join all of us and we can all just have a just a massive conversation about acid house mate well, you're so you. you're invited mate you're all invited so listen thanks again thanks so much right. for being on the podcast and i hope to catch you up soon yeah right, no, thanks no again for having me yeah everyone. cheers yeah. mate appreciate your time you cheers much. lads thanks lads do you think it's anything to do with a certain religion do you think no it's more to do with a kind of a drug isn't it According to the Sun, there were thousands of empty ecstasy wrappers littering the floor of the 250-foot-long hangar. Drugs, sex, sensation. Some newspapers have called acid house music a sinister and evil cult which lures young people into drug taking. The message is certainly getting across. The organizers kept the location secret until the very last moment, 
which was the main reason, according to the papers, why there were so few police here and they were unable to act. Drug-crazed kids, some as young as 12, boogied for eight hours yesterday at Britain's biggest ever ecstasy bash. The party took place here, infiltrated by reporters from the Mail and the Sun. There's, there's meant to be a drugs-related craze. What do you know about acid house music? It must affect the brain in some way. Unless it's just the music that does it. it. All knows? them lights flashing don't do you any good either, do it? <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't even go in the no. pub where them lights are. Oh, no, they drive no. you mad, don't they?